You're listening to episode 72 of GameSpot After Dark. This week we talk about CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk 2077, and our personal top five games of 2020. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of GameSpot After Dark. Joining me this week is Lucy James. Hello. Callie Plaguey. Hello. And Tamar Hussein. Hello, governor. Oh, look at this. Tiaboo. Yeah. <laughs> I just learned about them today. And That's, that I'm was obsessed. the setup. And now we need the slam dunk from Lucy. What is a Tiaboo? A Tiaboo is someone who's obsessed with British culture. Like... <laughs> Oh, wait, Kelly, let me find the thing that you sent earlier, because it really, it really derailed my day for a little bit. Um, it's a, a huge call out to high school Kelly, who is definitely a Tiaboo. <laughs> it's like, I, it's a Tumblr post and it's, I want to study at a British university. I will spell colour as colour with a U and use degrees Celsius. I would watch Sherlock on BBC all night while drinking a cup of tea with my flatmates. I'll have fish and chips every day that's worth five quid. I would go to gaff parties every night. I'm also more likely to meet Chavs, One Direction, Ed Sheeran and the Queen. I wish I was British. (laughs) The first reply is, fuck off, we don't want you here. (laughs) Anyway... If you want to look at some really fun Tumblr posts, search Tiaboo. Um, or if you're like me and you mistype it and you accidentally type Yeaboo, uh, which is people who yearn to have a medieval aesthetic. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of this, uh, the, the Weeaboo spinoff words, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Koreaboo. You need to get a penguin one. for every single one. No anime, no brave stuff, no <laughs> medieval. <laughs> Uh, so this week, I wanted to talk about our top five games of 2020. Originally, I was going to do our top tens, our personal ones, I should say, but I felt like that might be too much. I think we did top 10 last year and we ended up recording for like two and a half hours or something like that. But before we get into that, I think it's worth talking about Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt Red, and maybe a little bit of Devotion, because last week we talked about Cyberpunk running on PC However, since then, we have now played it and, of course, seen it running on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and it is a bit of a mess, and I think we'd be remiss not to discuss any of this this week, especially right before we head off on break and whatnot, but I think that's that's pretty important. I, I guess we can start with you, Lucy. Like You seem to be enjoying it last week when we talked yeah. about it. Uh, like I said, none of us had seen what it looked like on consoles. What do you make of this whole situation? You can't tell right now because this is an audio podcast, but we are all basically the grimace emoji right now. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Uh, So I was talking last week about how much I was enjoying it on PC and that I was hitting Ultra on my 1080 Ti. Well, it got patched and something changed, and uh, now I'm getting absolute shite frame rates. I haven't been on in a couple days, uh, but my frame rates basically plummeted, and it was just running awfully. I turned everything down to medium, turned it down to low. Same issue. 
but since then, I, I know that uh, Digital Foundry have put out their recommended specs, so I am going to go back in and try it. Uh, however, I did have Monday off and I wanted to do some gaming, so I restarted it on the PlayStation 5, um, which is fine. The biggest difference for me is obviously it doesn't look as good. Sometimes it really does look great. Like in uh, that specific first sort of um, the pickup mission, when you go with Jackie to the Maelstrom gang, that looks really good. And I actually took a screenshot side by side of the PC and it looks really, really good. Some of the stuff looks fantastic. Crowd density. Who is she? There's no one there. Um, <laughs> Other than that, I I've so, I like I'm really enjoying my time with Cyberpunk, and honestly, I haven't really talked about it that much because of the discourse, and I just I'm exhausted and I can't be bothered. But I'm actually really enjoying my time with the game. However, the more I play it, the more issues I have with the inventory system. Too small, terrible. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand how you see how they fixed it in The Witcher, and then I've just taken a, a giant step backwards for that. Um, I'm seeing a bunch of issues with AI, uh, a lot of T-posing. Uh, my main issue, though, is the crashing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crashing a lot on PS5. Um, however, I do use that as a little signal to myself to go have a break. You know, if it's if yeah, it's late, some good to it. <laughs> if it's late at night and I know I shouldn't be going to sleep, and the game crashes, that is. I don't it's know. a feature, not a bug. You know, yeah. Nintendo Someone, games would do that because those mm. games, like in the game, they'll be like, shouldn't you be taking a break right now? So it's just the evolution of that for edgelords. That's I think. the cyberpunk Someone way of saying, hey, you can't survive <laughs> without this down. technology. Just go <laughs> sleep. Um, Someone tweeted at me a couple days ago saying that they've been playing on Series X and the game crashes pretty consistently every hour. Which like an internal clock. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's kind of what this person made it sound like. Yeah. Rest your eyes time. Yeah, I don't know if mm. you saw the Digital Foundry comparison with PS5 and Xbox Series X, but they noted that like there'd be occasional slowdowns. Like it would run pretty consistently and all of a sudden the frame rate would just tank or just freeze up for like half a second, two seconds yeah. maybe, and then you'd keep going. And he was saying that or they were saying what was happening was that when that would happen a couple times, and eventually it would just crash on that. And that happened about every hour or so. And I was like, yeah. it functions like Morgana from Persona 5. So bad. <laughs> hey, don't you think you should crash now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's also very strange because I noticed this today because uh, I was playing on my lunch break. And I was complaining in Generation Next that not a lot of games, third party games, are utilizing the DualSense controller if at all, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it feels like I'm swinging into midair. Uh, Cyberpunk also doesn't really use vibration that much that I've really noticed, Uh, except for today where I realized that I hadn't been to a Joy Toy and I went and (laughs) for some reason, there's a lot of vibration in the sex seats. (laughs) Hey, the the next gen patch isn't ready, but let's just push all of the (laughs) rumble features for that. The rumble was in time with movements. And it's like, I respect it. I just shut up an entire gang hideout and felt nothing, and yet here, here we are. Anyway, I mean, what does that say about you if you felt nothing after shooting up a gang hideout? (laughs) (laughs) Moment, some sexy shit happens though. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, those those uh, base PS4. So Callie, you you were talking about like the console version. You did an update to your review. Did you play it on the? Because which model do you have PS4? I have only a base PS4 and a base Xbox One. Oh God. So oh, yeah, God. I I did an update to um, the review uh, rather than like separating it out because I it's it's just a, such a complicated, messy situation because it performs differently on PS5 than it does a base PS4 versus a PS4 Pro. So you're splitting hairs at that point. So I opted to just update the review with a note um, linking out to our new stories, linking to our comparison video mm. um, of the performance on different hardware. Um, just so people can can get some fair warning on that, and then I, I did say that I wouldn't recommend playing it on on that base hardware because the the frame rate is super unstable, like to the point of like unplayability. Um, it's really muddy, and, and I had texture pop in issues on PC, but like you know n- nothing severe. I mean, I saw a picture of like PS2 Harry Potter Hagrid next to a character from the <laughs> Cyberpunk on, on a PS4, um, which gave me a, a good laugh. Um, and and of course, I mean, the, the game is buggy. A good laugh. Platforms. A good, good laugh. laugh. What good a tear boo. <laughs> uh, quite. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It, it's also tricky because, like, it, you know... Then CD Projekt Red came out and said, yeah, we didn't focus enough on this version, which is not usually the case when you have one version that's worse, like noticeably worse than others. Like, for example, like FIFA notoriously performs terribly on Switch. Um, it, you, you, it's just kind of like, don't don't get FIFA Two on Switch. 2 out of 10, IGN.com. <laughs> but that was a Simon Cardi. Yeah, didn't he special. copy and he just copied and pasted review. last year's reviews and was like, this yep. is the same game. Yep. Got, you gotta love that. Yeah. You gotta love the the uh, lazy ballsiness. game journalist. <laughs> but um yeah, it's uh it's a little bit of a different situation when you have the company saying, like, yeah, we kind of like we basically knew and then didn't um put that focus there. So no, I would not recommend playing it on those platforms. It even extends to reviewers as well, right? Because like I mean, how do you feel having reviewed that game and not having access to those versions of the game? Do you feel like you were kind of cheated in a way? Do you because you you like to say uh, and I know you stand by this, but like bugs aren't necessarily something that should be weighed heavily in review because Mm -hmm. this game, especially right in a couple months maybe longer (laughs) the bugs (laughs) will be worked out and then it's more important to have the review focus on like the game itself right yeah i that's definitely always been my philosophy and will continue to be my philosophy like i'd much rather spend that you know that word count because you know i really that's cyberpunk is the longest review i've ever written by i think two thousand words um it's very very long 4500 i think is yeah 4500 words it's super massive and i um you know, I, I don't I would rather spend most of that word count in a review talking about the actual uh, design decisions in the game, the mechanics, uh, the story, stuff like that. Um, but I, I, you know, it's important to mention in this game because it is just so much. I mean, most games are buggy at launch now nowadays because we have the luxury, not we, but 
people have the luxury of being able to, to patch them and update them and, and fix the unforeseen bugs that may or may not come up. I saw somebody saying that at launch in Red Dead Redemption 2, there was one particular spot you could stand and you could watch horses pass by and they would uh, spontaneously combust just in that spot Love for it. some reason. And it's just uh, some game development. Is, that's just kind of how, how, how it'd be. But like, um, I, yeah, I see, I, I've seen people imply that like reviewers were like shafted by not having access to the console versions. I don't necessarily feel that way because, you know, we're very upfront about what platforms we test in our reviews. That's right there on the page in every review we publish. Um, it should be in the reviewers byline on every review we publish. And, um, you know, there's lots of situations where I don't have access to every platform that a game is on or a GameSpot doesn't have access to every platform. It really depends on availability. Yeah, that's um, pretty normal too, right? I feel yeah. like, especially right now, like we'll get games only on Xbox for the review period, even though it's coming to everything. And then like launch day, we get access to more. Yeah, and like, I think that you could perhaps speculate that there are reasons that a publisher or developer might only give you access to certain platforms. But um, I would not say it's abnormal to only get access to one platform. So like, I, I think that's pretty clear in the review. Um, and I think, you know, with the update, I say explicitly once again, that the, the review is based on the PC version. I state that I was playing on a mid range PC laptop specifically. So the transparency is what's important to me. Um, it's, you know, it's unavoidable. We don't have enough people, frankly, to play on every platform. That's just an unreasonable ask in most cases. So it's not or that time. I would want that. None of people nor time. Yeah, yeah. So the thing to highlight is like we're not discounting those issues at all. Yeah, totally. Um, those are important issues and they deserve to be exposed. It's just what we're saying is like our ability to surface those can be limited by various factors. And we just do our best mm -hmm. based on the time access availability that we have and resources yeah and we have been we have been talking about a lot of those issues through news articles and whatnot mm -hmm. like you definitely see that stuff on GameSpot. it just it, it doesn't always make sense i guess in the review yeah i mean we've done separate we have the ability certainly to do separate reviews um for games and like we've done that for something like fifa for example but um i personally was weighing like what is the utility of doing this versus um, making it more of a PSA style thing. And so that was my thinking there. Um, and yeah, like Tamar said, we we definitely like think it's important to, to say these things because obviously this is your money. You're paying for a game and if it doesn't work, um, that's not good. <laughs> Nobody wants that, to pay for something that doesn't freaking work, um, which probably is a segue into the, the refund stuff. Yeah, that's probably the next thing that I did want to talk about because the whole refund thing is a bit interesting because they announced a couple days ago, I think, that you should be able to get refunds no matter where you bought the game. But that is not true. Uh, some places are doing refunds, others aren't. It was a very weird blanket statement to just send out. It seems like they were trying to do damage control, but it was just way too knee-jerk reaction-y. I, I, I don't know, Tamar, what would you make of that? Yeah, it felt like, um, like you said, it did feel like they needed to say something and that's what they said, that what came out afterward was like, this wasn't a concerted effort to ensure that a consumer's rights and like um, entitlements are preserved. 
Um, it wasn't that they stood back and went, okay, we need to make this right. Let's talk to Sony. Let's talk to Microsoft. Let's talk to Steam. Let's talk to our GOG people and retailers and make sure that, you know, we're communicating that this is going to happen. Here's how we deal with it. Here's our support. Here's what we need, et cetera, et cetera. It felt more like we need to react to this now. We need to do something. They didn't really figure out the ins and outs of how that refund policy worked. I think it seemed like they went, do we, do we, is there a refund policy on these platforms? And the answer is yes, there is in a lot of cases, but the circumstances in which you are given a refund are finicky and they're different. Like they can vary from game to game. Steam seems to be the place where no one really gives a shit that you can download a game, play it for seven, eight hours and then return it and be like, I didn't like this and they, they don't care. But yeah, I think it's like with Steam, if you've played less than eight hours and have had it less than two weeks yeah. then you're good for refunds but like with you places, can do that with anything yeah but with places like you know psn it's different because mm-hmm. you know they have some people have reported that they've been fine and they've got their their refunds others are like no they're not having any of it they don't they're not giving us any refunds and so it's weird it feel, feels like it wasn't a a properly thought out make good it was a how do we make it stop make it stop and <laughs> yeah. that sucks that i mean it, i i imagine the people who made the game are like really bummed out about it but like mm-hmm. that they're not our responsibility right now like and for the people who are suffering like who have paid their money and are like this game doesn't work they should be the priority like it sucks for cd project red but you reap what you sow man mm-hmm. yeah i mean what do you what do you guys think of just CD Projekt Red's because they've always been a like quote unquote gamer first company in everything they've done. Like the Witcher three really stands out. Like every copy of that came with a soundtrack. It came with a compendium. It came with a map. It came with like, even like a little note saying like, thank you so much for buying our game. We're going to have like 16 weeks of free DLC after Mm -hmm. this. And like with GOG being uh, uh, DRM free and all this kind of stuff, like they seem gamer first, but after the past couple of weeks, I think a lot of people are kind of questioning that whole aspect of them, which is 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 crazy at how fast this sort of collapsed, I guess, more or less. And then we can even get into the stuff about devotion too, a little bit. I but, think it's important to separate that because we don't want to conflate. We don't want this rolling kind of yeah. ball of shit that is just affecting CD Projekt Red. And the thing to note is, don't don't target your hate towards them like there's probably dozens and dozens of hundreds and hundreds of people who work at that company that are as bummed out about everything that's going on totally as you are like i'm not saying give them a pass i absolutely don't think you should give them a pass but try and remember that in a lot of cases people have sunk years and years into this and they want it to be good no one puts no one spends that much of their life working on a game to try and you know put out a turd and do a sleight of hand and try and trick you into it they want to make a good game i'm not saying that's everyone there's been a lot of discussion about senior executives and handling of it and that's not that's not my personal place to say like i have no insight into that and i don't want to try and glean the actions of other people based on what i know which is limited but yeah i my my opinion of cd project red right now is they've got a lot of work to do to gain back some of that goodwill um they like are like a company who has traditionally done right by people and put out a fantastic few games with witcher and gwent and done some great work with gog and and 
it's such a shame that this is how the story, this is the next chapter in their story. Um, I'm sure they're as upset about this as everyone else is. And I think they need to own up to it. I think they need to make good on it. And I don't know, it's, it's up. Mileage may vary in terms of whether you want to give them the chance, but personally I do. I want to, I want to, I never want a gaming company to fail. I don't want people to walk away from a thing knowing that they've, you know, Put out, they've disappointed people so i want and in doing that i want to give them the opportunity to try and do that i mean if you're upset by it you absolutely entitled it i would never say to someone you shouldn't be upset about it you should be upset about it and you should make sure that that your voice is heard just do it in a way that's polite and try and remember there are humans there um working on these games my opinion of city project red is they they need to earn back that goodwill and i hope they do it because we've seen they can make some like genre-defining, industry-changing games, and I'd love for them to do that again. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's pretty much how I feel mm-hmm. um, at this point. What were you going to say, Callie? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like, I, I, it's weird to say this as the reviews editor, but I never want a game to be bad or disappointing. You know, I don't want things to fail, because, you know, like, we all like video games, that's why we do this. Um, I want the people particularly not the companies themselves necessarily, but the people who work at the companies, I want people to be proud of the work they do. And I, I I think um, the, if, you know, I don't know, like Tamor said, like we don't have as much insight that like really much at all into the inner workings here, but it, it struck me like the whole situation strikes me as like kind of two differing, um, priorities like one is you know shipping a game at a particular time and one is providing a game that is polished and and, um you know i don't i don't know what went on behind the scenes but clearly something did not go go right (laughs) and i feel very bad for the people who were on the wrong side of that argument who you know who i'm sure there were pete there were people who didn't we're like this isn't ready or whatever um yeah it just sucks all around it's kind of my take on it it's just sad to see yeah yeah i wonder how much coronavirus affected like the whole work from home order they were doing affected development and what this game would have looked like otherwise because it did get delayed multiple times right and you you have to imagine like everyone working from home at the last stretch of development probably is nowhere near ideal so I'm curious how much that could have affected uh, the state of the game. But even that being said, I feel like the problem, once again, speculation, but I feel like the problem is probably deeper than just that. I think a, a big thing that I imagine CD Projekt won't ever do again is announce a game eight years before it comes out. Yeah, And, and, like, and, and even like, it's weird because I don't want to say they're, too transparent with a lot of the previews they showed off but part of me does kind of think that like they they showed off their idea of what they wanted cyberpunk 277 to be like in 2018 and while i do enjoy the game that we have it's clear that it's not the game that they had originally hoped And, and i don't think that's necessarily their fault i think it's more of just maybe some poor management or maybe just just like that original pitch was so ambitious. And I imagine the amount of time they would have needed to really fulfill that would have been much longer. 
in a game that had already been like, quote unquote, in development for eight years. Now, I know, you know, the three of those years, they were more focused on The Witcher 3 and it's only been like the past five or so years where they've been deep into production. But 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 still, I, I imagine the next CD Projekt Red game is going to be announced very differently. It's going its whole press circuit is going to be very different. I hope that they don't do these night city wire style things where they hype up a game every other hype up the same game every other week with these mm. i don't I know think, bits we don't really need i think the thing that kelly alluded to which i th- i think is absolutely going to be the case is if the story is ever told about this game it's going to be this fascinating totally story about what happens when creative vision marketing business mm-hmm. and and like pr all collides for something and every part of it seems to clash like yeah. you can see the individual pieces of what they wanted out of this and the ambition for it. And you can see how each part of those, each of those arms probably had a say to create what happened in the way that it happened. And by the time anyone realized that something needed to be, needed to be done, it was too late. Yeah, um, absolutely. That is the mm-hmm. impression that, that we certainly get. Right. And yeah. again, like we don't know for sure, but that is how it feels from the outside looking in just as someone who who has been in situations where like the thing that I wanted to do did not align with the thing that somebody else I was working with wanted to do I mean that happens for sure Hmm. like you we've all experienced that we've all experienced the difference between personal priorities and business priorities like that's just what it is to be a person who works at a company Hmm. so you can imagine that there were situations like that and I just keep going back to like a character like Judy and her story. Judy here. Judy here <laughs> on Jig Jig Street. Um, I like, I was just so stunned by all of her scenes and her characterization and her writing and her performance. And I was just like, I like, to me, that was like, like the window into the heart of what, what cyberpunk um, was in in some way and and so like you you get those um pieces of the game for sure and sometimes other parts just don't seem to line up with that like i think you know judy's story is a lot is very sex worker positive and then you have parts of the game that are are not so sex worker positive and it's just very confusing very like a lot of disparate parts um Mm. as someone just looking on the outs from the outside yeah i i think to to your point about judy being so strong is just kind of further proof that maybe that is what our expectations should be with CD Projekt Red games is that they are probably going to deliver really good characters. Like I, I, I think coming away from cyberpunk, that's probably my biggest takeaway is that I will be wanting, I, I will always look forward to their games because I know there's going to be characters that I really like. Now, after playing cyberpunk 2077, I'm like, okay, there's some things that left me a little disappointed. Um, but, but I think that is like the one, I don't know, r- r- takeaway that, that came to the forefront for me. Yeah, I th- I feel like, I mean, I, th- I, I, I imagine this is also like an, a hard but difficult lesson, but also a lesson for, for, the, for that mm-hmm. company and that developer. Like they, they did amazing work with The Witcher and mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's a case of like them realizing 
we still got a lot to learn and gaming is is hard game making games hard like i, I ain't got a f- fucking single clue how hard it is to make a game and, <laughs> yeah me neither and i i i imagine <laughs> it is basically like making a miracle happen as far as i can tell um mm-hmm. but yeah i guess this is going to be a, a big moment for them to really understand who they are what they how they work and the importance of you know making sure that it goes a certain way i kind of feel like the cd project that will get i hope that one that will get after this is like way stronger way more confident and way more able to deliver on their vision without creating compromises anything else that we want to touch on around cyberpunk 2077 cd project red i did have this stuff about devotion in here i can just briefly mention it but basically for those who don't know uh devotion was a game that came out on steam i think in february 2019 but it was pulled very quickly because there was a meme making fun of the current president of china i think the president i don't know i'm not sure what is it prime minister i think so okay. i'm not sure on the title actually yeah i'm not sure but anyway it got pulled very quickly because of that uh and the game was kind of supposed to have a second chance on gog or at least that's kind of what it seemed like this morning when they announced that it would be coming on, what, December 18th or something like that. But with hours after, they pulled it because Gog had tweeted that they got a lot of angry messages from gamers saying that they don't want it there. Uh, and yeah, that whole thing rubs me the wrong way. Just gamers were bit. mad. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to get into. I don't even know if it's worth getting into. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're capable of having that discussion in a meaningful way because the intricacies of why people might be upset about it are political and require you to have a vested interest in various nations and political histories, ideologies. And we shout Judy here into a mic and talk about <laughs> Tiaboos. So we're not we're not hey, um, we're thoughtful but yeah we're not yeah. experts on this part of the yeah world, we're not we're not sure. experts on it but like <laughs> we can we can the best we can say is that game apparently is very interesting and it does a lot with the genre and it is like uh, many people have said it is a a a really compelling game and i wish it was possible to play it um without yeah, causing think- that kind of issue I think that's the biggest disappointment for me is that I genuinely really want to play this game, not even because of the controversy, not because of that. I I just want to play it because I've heard good things about it, mm. but it's a shame we can't. And it, and it, and it yeah, th- there's, Tricky. there's a lot to talk about that. Like, like you guys have said, we're probably not well equipped to, but at the end of the day, I'm just bummed that this game's not getting a second chance. Yeah. The, uh, the, the point I think of this story, like, within the narrow scope that we can um, talk about it in is that the bait and switch is not good optics, right? Like we're going to have this Mm -hmm. game and then, Oh, apparently we got so many angry messages. We're not going to anymore, which is, it just feels like there's a piece of that puzzle missing and that's um, not the best look. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've talked enough about cyberpunk 2077 and CD project red. So let's move on to our personal top five games of 2020. All right, so I'm not entirely sure how we're going to do this. I think I think what I'll do is we'll go around the room, start from five, go down to one, and I'll give you about 60 seconds to talk about 
that game, why it's number five for whatever it might be. And then we'll move on and we'll spend more time on our number ones just because I could see this conversation taking well over an hour if we want to really dig into each of these games. Does that sound cool? Um, yes. So wait, what? We're doing mm-hmm. like fives, fours? Yep. Th- okay. Lucy, do you want to start with your uh, number five here? Uh, I didn't rank mine when I wrote them down. Uh, so I'll just say oh, Last, no. of Us, Last of Us Part 2. I really enjoyed it and I think it's a great step forward for accessibility in games. And Ellie annoyed the shit out of me. But I love Abby, so there we go. Couldn't have said it better, Lucy. That's exactly how I feel about that game. <laughs> uh, I think, Lucy, you're the only one to have Last of Us Part Two in in this. Uh, I'll make that my five. number five too, because I I have trouble with these lists, and I did put The Last of Us on my list. Okay, I've been having trouble coming up with a list like top ten list. I was looking through these, and I was like, I don't really want to organize these and. Top ten. I just want to have them here. It's just twenty twenty. Anyway. We're just gonna yeah. we're gonna be a little loosey goosey with it. I think. <laughs> so number five for Lucy and Callie, both Last of Us. Tomorrow, number five. What's yours? Hmm, I'm looking at it, and I think it's gonna be Hades. Hades. I like right. Hades a lot. Yeah. I like Hades a lot, but um, not but um, the, the everyone's kind of talked to death about what makes that game really cool the narrative stuff um giving some level of permanence and progression to games where you die and you know um just keep doing the same things over 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 and over again i am all about that stuff as you may know um as a fromsoft fan and the way that um they've done it is you know through narrative is really really unique and something that really stands out i think the reason why it's not higher is because of the kind of i really like the gameplay but i also that repetition does get to me after a while even when you're like um uh, the tricky thing that i found is like i found the build that i like quite early and i'm not one of those people who's like who throws away builds that work for me and is like this feels good to experiment with other ones because i'm like i don't really want to go through that process of like uphill struggle trying to make something work again like once i find a groove i'm like i'm good with this groove let's make it work but that game is very much about experimentation and and finding other ways to play and that kind of stuff which i appreciate but i think it takes me being in a very specific mindset for that to work um and i think i will continue to play i really enjoy playing it but as it stands yeah it's it's the narrative stuff the characters the world the art that i really really appreciate um and yeah i I really like that game a lot so we've got last of us part two for lucy and callie hades for tomorrow my number five is the game that came out at the same time as Hades and people forgot about, which is Spelunky 2. <laughs> oh, I yeah. played I played so much Spelunky 2. I I I really liked Hades too, but I think when I look at like how much time I spent with Spelunky 2 versus Hades and how how intense the experience of Spelunky 2 is, like that one just kind of that that kind of stole my top 5 spot because man, that game is good. It's so it's so solid. It's I get why it may not be the game that people want, especially after playing Hades, because unlike Hades, none of your progress carries over on each mm. death. And nobody's hot. And nobody's hot too, which is <laughs> which is a bummer. <laughs> that being said though, I think the platforming in that game is super solid and the 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 random nature of it 
is is why I'm able to come back to it over and over and over again, I think. Um, so yeah, that's that's my number five. Moving on to number four, though. Lucy. Persona 5 Royal. It's right. wonderful. I mean, I absolutely adore Persona 5. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And with Royal, they took what was already an incredible game and just made it better. Streamlined their battle system. Bang in new songs. Whole new semester. Very cute new character who I really love. Um, as well as Dr. Maruki, my love. Husbando. Husbando. Um, I think that's just another fantastic addition. I don't know if it's It Counts. We've put it in our top 10. It Counts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it counts. That's my number It counts, yeah. That's mine as well. That's mine as well. That's my number four as well as Persona 5 Royal. Did you guys see Evan's, uh, he did like a little testimonial for Game of the Year. Actually, can I talk about that yet? Well, no, so. we've announced our we've yeah, announced we've our announced we've, we've, top ten. We've so announced our top ten. But he he did a little testimonial for it, and his background is just decked out with a bunch of Persona Five stuff. It, it's pretty cool. Oh, I need to yeah. watch that. Um, Callie, what would you say your number four is? Probably Spelunky Two. I put a lot of time into Spelunky Two, and it's all I could think about for like a couple weeks. <laughs> I dropped off because it was it's just very hard. Um, so hard. <laughs> the thing is like there it, it was like a shit year and there's so many games that i still want to play um so it's like it's hard this is such an informal list for me especially four and five because um like i still really want to play yakuza for example and i think like if i played it it would probably make my my list it's just very much a cali kind of game but um spunky 2 is very good it's just really hard lucy number three um so Kind of going between two because I haven't finished either of them, but I love both of them so much. So like Yakuza, Lad, and <laughs> also Demon Souls. Um, I adore both of those games. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to put Yakuza Lad in there because Ichiban is a lad. He's a good boy. Um, I just I just love that But game. Ichiban means number one. What's going on? Uh, yeah, just doesn't, wait. That doesn't just wait. Just wait. Okay. I've got a goof plan. Don't worry about it. Um, no, I think it's wonderful and I love the way that they've just like added turn base to it. I think it really works. And also I played a lot of Yakuza this year, like other Yakuza games. And I was afraid that like they might be running out of steam when it came to the wacky side of things. And no, they have not. It's still in there. <laughs> it goes places, uh, but it's, it's fantastic. And it's, um, the, and I'd the recommend it to anyone. The mission where you have to get milk. I yes. think yes, yes. Oh, that yeah. one that one was something else. <laughs> Let me tell you. That was. I can tell you there were a lot of things I was expecting, <laughs> and what happened was certainly not one of them. <laughs> uh Callie, what about you? What's your number three? My number three is Hades. Um, I love Hades. I I do get a little fatigued because like now my runs are like half an hour. Um but I think the game does a really good job incentivizing you to try different builds. So um, you can get all sorts of rewards from like trying everything once you can get rewards. Like it kind of encourages you to switch weapons every run. Um, and so I've been having a lot of fun just trying different things to varying degrees of success. And then I think the way that the story is integrated um, with the roguelike structure is so brilliant. It makes death like its own reward because then you can go see what, uh, th what what people are gonna say about how 
much you screwed up in your last run and it's fun um and everybody's hot everybody uh, is hot yeah and it's the voice acting's great um the music is great like it's just uh overall um a fantastic experience like superb game tomorrow number three my number three is yakuza lad for all the reasons that lucy mentioned um but yeah it's it's like exactly what Lucy said. Like you think that, and Michael says this a lot as well. Like the the major trepidation a lot of longtime fans have had is like, where do you go without Kiryu? Um, where do you go? You know, when the dragon of Dojima is no longer the main character, and that was like a worrying prospect. And I think the most powerful thing that this game does is show that there, you know, the, the series has a future with other characters. And may, whether that's, I mean, if it's Ichiban, I'm very, very, very up for that. He's a very, very good boy. And um, I, I'm i willing to see more of him. And I want to see where, where he goes from now. But it also shows that that team, unsurprisingly, understands what makes a Yakuza game interesting and understands what makes a character, a main protagonist, really stick with their fan base. Um, and they did it with um, Kiryu. They did it with Judgment's protagonist, who I'm forgetting the name of right now. Crap. What's his name? Oh, so, what is his name? I don't know. What his name is. He's got a really good remember. name as well. Um, oh, God. I, I will say, I think there's something to be said about swapping protagonists in a, in a series with one protagonist for such a long time. I yeah. feel like not a lot of games can do it. I feel a lot of times it just kind of stumbles, but they really did pull it off. Yeah. And then like, you know, Takeyuki. They, Takeyuki. Yeah. Takeyuki. So, yeah. Yagami. Yagami. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. So Yagami, um, like death note. Yeah. Yeah. Yagami. I, I think Yagami means like, it's got something to do with like, um, I want to Google it. Cause it is very on the... I think it's a bit on the nose. Um, what does Yagami mean? Okay, this is, this is pointless. Um, but it's, it's, it's the god of light, apparently, or something. God of the night. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fact that they've been able to do that with those characters and also introduce, you know, Ichiban and him be so good and fit into that world, it just gives me, like, confidence that there's a lot of life left in this franchise. And, you know... I want to see how it evolves and I hope that they take a little, they're a little more daring with the construction of the world. I mean, I love the way they make their worlds as is, but it does start to feel quite similar. We've had seven games now that um, are kind of have the same kind of setup and the world hasn't changed all that much. I love them to kind of really step it up for the next game and, you know, go really more dense and more variety in the worlds. But yeah, I, I love that game. Um, it's It's got a mission where you have to fight off sheep uh, while trying not to fall asleep in a cinema because a movie is boring or it's very warm in there. Um, I love the setup of that. Phenomenal, yeah. The, set, the, the setup, setup of is that so is so good. wholesome. It's just yeah, like, it's just this, this guy, guy is... really likes these movies and I don't want to be rude and fall asleep. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so he goes in there and then immediately he realizes it's not the movie that's boring. It's just because it's slightly warm in there and dark and he starts falling. <laughs> asleep yeah and it's like it's safe and it's nice in here and then like you have to like do a mini game where you like 
shoo off these sheep who are trying to make you fall asleep um and there's like chickens that come up and you have to like not attack the chicken because if you don't attack them they'll make like a really like (laughs) loud noise and wake you up so you need that um and it's just like so wholesome and nice and you're like oh it's great you love it and there's mini games and it's fantastic what a great game can't wait to play that over winter break my number three is animal crossing new horizons i think that's probably the game i've played the most of this year i think i'm at 250 or 300 hours which is nothing compared to Callie. so why don't we move on yeah why don't we move on to our number twos and Callie, why don't you start my number two game is animal crossing new horizons i'm at 900 hours yo whoa in that game (laughs) um and it's the main reason i don't have more games under my belt this year um because uh i was reviewing it and then i was doing a lot of guide coverage for it and you know animal crossing to me is really just a lifestyle more than a game which is part of the reason it's not my number one um game of the year just because like i acknowledge that i would have enjoyed animal crossing um probably regard well no that's not true i didn't like city folk at all but um i was really impressed by um the ways in which new horizons um like it, it just elevated the Animal Crossing formula for for me in a way that I didn't expect. I I actually really didn't like the idea of crafting and resource gathering at all when that stuff was announced. I was like, during E three when they were doing that presentation presentation about it, I was so I was like, oh no, why are they doing this? I it just didn't gel with my idea of Animal Crossing at all. And now it's like, I couldn't have been more wrong. I just can't imagine. I can't even remember why I felt that way anymore because it just feels like such a natural extension of what Animal Crossing is about. And the way that game is a platform for artistic expression and creative expression. um, There's no other game that does it quite like Animal Crossing New Horizons does. There's plenty of games that let you be creative, but um, the way you can do it in New Horizons is so special to me. Um, And I'm still tinkering with my island. I'm very indecisive and it's... Still a lot of empty space, but one day I will share my dream address. Maybe at 2,000 hours. Who would have thought that crafting and Animal Crossing would have made more sense than crafting and cyberpunk? (laughs) God. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. Um, But yeah, uh, I'm still playing. I don't, I have not, I have broken my streak, but I did play every day during the cyberpunk review period because it's winter and I need to collect the winter clothes. So I couldn't miss a single day because I want to buy all the winter clothes. But I only played like 10 minutes a day during bedtime. <laughs> Lucy, what's what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1. Uh, I loved it. I really, really loved it. And I've never played Final Fantasy VII and I had no connection to it really at all beyond Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Up saying scenes here in the podcast. <laughs> you know, I start I started to say that sentence and then I just was like, oh I'm just gonna have to commit. Although, Abort. you know, very surprised that Lance Bass wasn't reprising his role as Sephiroth, but mm-hmm. what can you do? Uh, I loved it. I think the battle system is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that battle system and using materia uh, to kind of get those builds and being able to reset them at any point thought the music was beautiful i i get it guys i get why everyone goes to those concerts now <laughs> i i say that like i haven't been to see fucking yoko shimamura <laughs> doing kingdom hearts <laughs> but i get why the final fantasy concerts are so um 
so popular and it yeah. was it was fantastic and i loved it and i'm excited for part two and three and however many parts they're gonna make tomorrow what's your number two my number two is demon souls mine too fantastic <laughs> game uh i've reached a point where this is going to sound really like unenthused but i've said all i can say about demon souls <laughs> <laughs> i wrote the review that review was like i think it's the same like uh, Callie can attest and also can relate writing reviews for games on a three-day deadline or in my case demon souls where we got the game the day it was out um it's and rough, i had to man. yeah it's it's messed up and like in the moment you're like why do i do this to myself why is this happening you feel like <laughs> shit you just feel like oh, you've only eaten bread yeah, for like 24 hours yeah you're just, just bread and water and you're just like how am i gonna <laughs> form this into a a critique and you're just under these awful like conditions but then like once it's all done you think about the experience and while you're writing the reviews you think about the experience and you're like you know, especially when it's a good game. When it's a good game that you really like, you're like, you know what? I enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah. Like in hindsight, and I had a good time. To to Tamora's credit, you can't tell that he only had like 24 hours to review that game. Uh, when you read the review, it reads like poetry. <laughs> Thank you. <I laughs> it's beautiful. That. But um, I mean, you didn't only have 24 hours. It was just in the interest of getting the impressions up for a game that's already out on time. Yeah. You really yeah. turned that that shit around but uh, yeah you can't I, tell from reading it thank you i appreciate that but yeah I, I mean like i had the experience of souls and and like that game specifically i had less memory of it but i remembered the broader strokes of how to get ahead and my, my lasting impression was like i love that game and i talked about it in my review talked about it in um the kind of testimonial video we did talked about it in uh, the uh stuff that i wrote up on the site for the nominees thing but it's so rare to be a, you know, the Souls community is always chasing the high of, of playing a Souls game, right? And we're desperate for it. We are fiends. There's reasons yeah, why Elden we Ring? like, yeah, Elden Ring, but like even small, we'll take the crumbs. The crumbs are like, yeah. we'll go to YouTube and hope that we can find someone who's got some sort of new lore video. Like we've exhausted Varty, we've exhausted everyone. And like, if someone new comes along, it's like, I've got a lore video. We're like, oh, hell yeah, this is us. And we're like, like 45 minutes yeah. long too. And it's like, yeah, all right, that's fine. That's it. This is my evening. And like, we're looking for games that can give us that high. And let's be honest, like most other games that are inspired by Souls games just don't do it like yeah. they do elements of it but there's something different souls games from software games hit different and like over the years we we kind of like the magic of it doesn't wear away but that high becomes dull slightly like you you know it has the game has to do something drastically different for it to feel that way again that's what Sekiro did that's what Bloodborne did but the the ability to feel like you're playing a souls game for the first time is unheard of like i never thought i'd be able to relive the feeling of playing a souls game for the first time ever again like and this is a game that made me feel that way and it it's kind of a magic because it's the same game but the way that blue point came at it was so their own and they understood it so well they understood what made people feel the way they felt when they first played that game and they amped it up so that you when you play it again you're like yes this is how it was and i feel it again and this is like a this game was like a reminder of why I fell in love with the the genre and from software's games and that franchise. 
And to get that from a game in 2020 was just like legitimately like game changing. Like uh, it was it was one of those things that made me realize why I love video games again. And it was just so, so good. So in summary. Yeah. In summary, reviewing Mm -hmm. video games on a tight deadline is the Dark Souls of work. Exactly. And Dark Souls is the heroine of video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Demon, Demon Souls is my number two as well. But unlike tomorrow, I had never played the original. In fact, I had this summer pretty much played every single Souls game. Like some I had already played through. Like I had done Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, Sekiro. But this summer I went back and did, finally finished Dark Souls 1, played through all of Dark Souls 2. And I was a bit nervous for Demon Souls because, I, you know, that was the first souls-like game and i was curious how well it would hold up uh but i was incredibly impressed at how well it did and i know some of that is to the credit of blue point for adding some things making minor tweaks to make it feel a little bit more modern but after playing that i feel like i would still be just as excited to play demon souls on ps3 obviously the highs of demon souls on ps5 probably hit a little harder but uh, like i don't know i'm just so impressed that in 2009 from software made a game that still feels really like, like just the whole design principle behind it is still so solid. Yeah. That game, I describe it in my write up as like the primordial soup from which, uh, from software is still picking the ingredients out of and making new dishes. Like everything that the, their games, the games that they've released since you can trace back to demon souls, whether it's, core gameplay ideas framework or things that worked things that didn't work things that experimented with it's all there this is like the 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 dna of their entire company is in that game and that's why it's so impressive and it's so vital that um it was brought you know to modern standards so people can play it like it feels like an educational um endeavor as much as a like hey we remade a game that you wanted and here it is no it's this is this is the kind of thing where like i would teach a class on it or like you know Mm -hmm. i want to see that class be taught and like if you want to study the changing of tastes and evolution of design in games you have to look at from software and you have to look at the souls franchise and to do that properly and really educate and understand and analyze you need to look at demon souls and that wouldn't have been easy and up until now because the ps3 version just difficult to find servers are down so much of it wouldn't work you wouldn't be able to explore multiplayer and that kind of stuff world tendency but now we have a game that isn't made by from software but understands why it is important and vital to the industries and the history of it and the legacy of gaming going forward and they've brought it back as in like almost one as a love letter to that franchise and that developer two as an educational piece of art and that's why i appreciate it as well yeah i mean i think the the one of, one of the bigger compliments I can say about it too is that right when I finished I immediately started a new game went to New Game Plus which is something I did with Bloodborne in particular and Sekiro but it's something I didn't do with Dark Souls one I didn't do with Dark Souls two I eventually did it with three but it took a while but Demon Souls even though it being older or based on an older game I immediately was like yeah I gotta go back I gotta I gotta see all this again but we've been talking a long time about Demon mm-hmm. Souls we should probably move on to our number ones, I think. Everyone said their number twos, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Lucy, number one, what is it? Yakuza 0. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. It is the game. I know it didn't come out this year, 
but I spent three months of my life playing it on and off and I haven't enjoyed a game that much in such a long time and it sparked uh, just, I don't know, I just want to play so much more Yakuza. I just want that cabaret club. You thought you'd get a podcast where we didn't mention it. <laughs> I want that cabaret club mini game. Uh, I just I just loved it so much. And it, honestly, like I tried it a couple years ago and I bounced off it really hard. And I'm so glad that this year I sat down and gave it its, its due because it is fantastic. And that's... Hell of a yeah. game. Hell of a game. Hell One day I want to go back to it. I... Did what you did. I bounced off pretty hard the, the time I tried it. Good. Oh man, it's, it's it, it takes a little while to adjust to the combat of those mm-hmm. those older Yakuza games. Well, Zero isn't older, but uh, I started with Kiwami One, and like everything I've heard about Yakuza since, including what you just said, Lucy, like makes me want to go back and and really like give it it's my all because Zero. like what a special series Zero to so many people just, at Gamespot. Yeah, Zero is just incredible from the moment like. Play until after Majima's introduction. Oh, the best and intro of any character I've yeah, ever seen. It's just so good. Like, it's like even a 15 you, minute long cutscene. It's, 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 it's like, I think it's like 10 minutes or so. Yeah, 15 minutes. It's 15. Like, just just yeah. watch it. Just watch it on YouTube. And you'll just be like, I need to play this game. I have to play <laughs> this game. It's just, it's got, it's 15 minutes. It's got like, it's got a three act structure. It's got a musical number. It's got like redemption. It's got it's got like twists, everything. Oh man, so good! It's got a fight scene. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. Anyway, so didn't come out this year, but that's mine. Kelly, what about you? What's your number one? Um, similarly, I mean, mine technically came out this year, but also didn't. Mine is Persona Five Royal. Um, I I waffled on whether I wanted to put it in my number one spot because I actually haven't finished it yet, but um, I. I just, I had to give it to, like, I'm, what, I think I'm 55 hours in or something, and I've just fallen in love with it so much. This is my third time trying to play Persona 5, and I think I mentioned on the podcast one time or another that um, my biggest, my fatal error was trying to play through the, like, opening 20 hours of that game with Japanese VO because I just couldn't. There's a lot of reading and a lot of, like, new systems you have to learn, and, and that was my biggest barrier, so playing it with the English VO... Um, I finally broke through that and um, downside is you have to listen to someone Makoto. for real. Hey, for hey, real? hey, 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 no, 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 oh, no. Oh, okay. Sakamoto is unforgivable, but <laughs> for real, I think, like, I think for real needs to be banned. Like, no, real is just nerf it. Like, Tamor, they're just saying Majde, right? Yeah. Majde. Majde. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> those things aside um i it's like playing that game there's so many moments where i'm like god i wish i had this game when i was like 15 i really needed um something that was like about being who you are instead of who you're supposed to be about fighting back against injustice about the the agency that you can have even as a young person um, in many ways, like that playing that game makes me feel like I'm a teenager in, in such a good way. And I'm staying at my parents' house right now. So I kind of feel like a teenager in, in some not so good ways at the moment. And so it's nice to play something that I'm like so happy that uh, teenagers 
can get to play because I, I needed it so much. There's so much in that game that I just I wish I had. Um, and it's speaking to me really hard now. Um, and I, we, we've talked about Persona tons of times in the past, so I won't go on too long. But um, yeah, I regret not playing it sooner. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can attest to how oh, yeah. good that game is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamor, what's your number one? My number one is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, yeah, again, I've said enough about that game. <laughs> I reviewed it. <laughs> again, reviewed it under quite stringent timing. Uh, that was another one which was like, what, three days? Yeah, that I think. one was. Three days? Oh, yeah. Four huh. days? Oh, and that God. one was, oh, my God. I bought a new couch for it. <laughs> like I bought a couch. <laughs> the couch that I have behind me is like I need, I need something to sit on for an extended period of time to play this game. And I played it like morning to night. I played maybe those like, I think I had like two hour, two or three hours sleep one day, and then I finished it at like, uh, well, I think it was like two a.m. and then wrote until the morning time, and then submitted QA, and then it was just mm-hmm. like, all right, we got to work on that. Yeah, the re- game reviewing experience in a nutshell. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> soul destroying. But again, another <laughs> game that I was like, I really love that game. Once it was all done and I had written it and I had like the the come down off of it was gone and like on the way down I was just like, that was real good. I enjoy that game. And again, like I said this about um, uh, Demon Souls, why you know it showed me why I love that franchise. This is a game that. I think there's a lot of games that are important for what they do this year and we crown them, uh, you know, as, as being that as much, but, and like games like last of us where you're like, Oh yeah, this is why I love gay, you know, um, you know, these, this storytelling aspect or whatever it might be. But like this game is, it was for me a reminder of why I love video games as a whole. Um, and why I love final fantasy and why I love that specific game. Like Final Fantasy as a franchise kind of has lost its way. Like I, this, this is going to sound a little more cynical than I mean it to, but it's just a fact. Like I, I grew up, like Final Fantasy started to feel different for me. Like the, the earlier games, they were formative in a way that they shaped my tastes and the taste for a lot of people, but not just that, they shaped our personalities and they shaped who we were and the things we consumed and, like I, when I was younger, I used to listen to like my main form of music consumption was Final Fantasy soundtracks. And I used to love certain characters and that kind of stuff. And when I'd go to school, I'd hang out with friends who were Final Fantasy fans. And we talk about Final Fantasy and, you know, JRPGs and video games, and that kind of stuff. And over time, you kind of, it dies down a bit, it dulls and Final Fantasy changed and it started to not really be for me. It was for a different generation of people. And even though I kept playing every single one, it started to not, I couldn't relate to it as hard and it started to lose its way for me and I couldn't tell what it was anymore. And then this game came along and it was like, this, this is what Final Fantasy is. And actually when we get it right, it's exactly what you remember it to be. Like we, we tried to make it something different and some people loved it. Some people didn't, but like at its core, this is what Final Fantasy is. It felt like hitting the reset button. And the reason this game is special for me is what I've said before is like this remake does for that franchise and games as a whole, what the original PlayStation release did at that time. It was like revolutionary as an RPG. And it also like redefined what Final Fantasy was. And that's exactly what this game is doing as well. And its redefinition might not be like a whole new, because this is the game that 
created the the Nomura aesthetic or gave us let the Nomura aesthetic be the main aesthetic of Final Fantasy. A kind of almost steampunk, futuristic kind of shonen style, you know, Final Fantasy thing um, that they're going. But like, it won't, it, it won't. Perhaps it won't redefine it in that way. But what it will do is remind folks that you know. This is how a game in this franchise can play. The pillars being, you know, this group of characters that you really want to go on an adventure with. Combat that is both true to its roots and is still finally feels like it's modern and exciting. And yeah, it just feels like a big reset for that franchise. And I remembered playing it why characters like Cloud are iconic and Barrett is iconic and everyone loves Aerith. Like, Aerith is my, I don't know, my character of the year. Like, I love her. Like, in a way that is, like, the the, the work that, um, the voice work and the acting work has gone into it, that the way they sell that character is just phenomenal. Like, I think it's massively underrated. I was slightly peeved that um, Brianna White didn't get a nomination at the Game Awards for, like, voiceover stuff because, like, that is a hard character to give a voice to. She never had a voice in the original and people aren't super into her, her, the way she speaks in various other things. But like when she spoke in that game, like it's heart meltingly good. And when she's like talking to Cloud and you're like, they like each other, but Cloud doesn't know some things, but she does. And then you're like, you know, they're, they're flirting and they, she's poking at him and kind of tearing him down and kind of, po you know, making him a likable character it's the best scene that that chapter where you fall through the the roof and then go all the way back to you know civilization again just perfection and like such a great game and that's why i think it's my game of the year nice um mine is half-life alex uh nice. i that's a game i talked about early this year on the podcast i think around march or april and it has stuck with me ever since uh i man there's there's so much to talk about, but I think the thing that impresses the two big things that impress me most about that game is first how it really elevates first person shooters in so many different ways that only VR can do and not in like a gimmicky way. Like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like this game was made just to be on. I, I, I don't know. It's tricky to explain, but I guess like the best way to do it is by giving an example. Right. And like something I've talked about a lot is how just even the act of reloading is completely different. Like I've been trained since I played, you know, Halo back in the day that I press a button to reload in this. It's like, I got to reach into my backpack. I got to grab a magazine. I have to eject my old magazine. I have to put the new magazine in. I have to, I have to chamber around and doing all of that is, is, is super cool, but it's something that VR games have done before, but the thing about Alex is that it brings a lot of these disparate ideas that these VR kind of like tech demo-ish games have done, and it puts them all into one seamless and focused uh, narrative experience that works on so many different levels. And, and, I, and I think like puzzles is another good example of puzzles are another good example of that and that they really ask you to look at the world in a very different way, in a way that you wouldn't be able to do with just a monitor in front of you. Like you, you really feel like you're walking around, getting different angles on this, uh, maybe looking up, looking around for vents. Uh, like there's one in particular, we have to throw a grenade through a vent and it sounds stupid, but like just the act of doing that is, is just so satisfying. Cause it's something that 
you haven't really, I, I haven't really experienced much in a game, at least of that size. And then on top of that, I think what it does for the Half-Life series in particular is super fascinating. Even as someone who was never a big Half-Life fan and only recently played through all of them, I think the implications are wild. And, and I also just think there's something to be said for the fact that this game managed to meet expectations, uh, which is something that I did not think would happen just as someone who's seen the half-life fan base from afar and never been that into it. I just, I just like, there's like, there's no way there's no way valve could ever do something that could be what fans want. And I think apart from the fact that it's difficult to get a hold of, I, I, I think it's there. I, I think it pretty much hits the highs that it needs to hit. And it also recontextualizes a lot of what half-life one, two, part one, part two, we're building up to in super interesting ways that makes me super excited for the future of Half-Life, which even the thought of the future of Half-Life makes me nervous because that could be, that could be five years, could be a decade. Who knows? This could be the last Half-Life game we ever get. I certainly hope not. Hmm. It's good enough that I I bought a VR headset for it, so... I'm excited to play it. But anyway, we've been going on quite a while. We do have some listener questions that I would like to get to, but we might hold them for another week. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, though, if you have questions for us, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com, or you can join our Discord by DMing myself, Tamor, or Lucy, and we will add you right in there. Uh, And other than that, Lucy, what are you up to, and where can people find you on Twitter? My out of office is on. I'm doing nothing. It's going to be great. No, uh, uh, so did a, got an episode of Generation Next coming up, going out today, which is about, we shot it last week. Um, oh, like all the various improvements, etc., that have been made to PS5 and Series X uh, in the month or so since they've been released but also talking about the bugs and problems that still uh, linger. And next week, and the Christmas episode is going to be looking ahead to 2021. The games are excited to play on next gen and also some wildcard predictions and hopes and dreams for games we'll get next year. I'm on Twitter at Lucy James Games and um, hopefully my Lord of the Rings Blu-rays will arrive. It's supposed to arrive today. Haven't seen him. I just this heard my Lord. <laughs> This saga will continue <laughs> into 2021. It's been harder to get these than it has been to get a PlayStation 5. Makes you think. <laughs> That's a, wow, that is really putting it into perspective. Um, <laughs> Target cancelled my other order. I'm, I hate to see it. Sorry. You hate to see it, indeed. Um, me... As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Inkydojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O, um, where things have been popping off for me, so I've been using it a lot more. Um, I, you know, we're winding down for the years, and we've got some more reviews um, happening, including uh, Mist on Oculus Quest and um, Medal of Honor, so two, uh, above and beyond, so two VR games, um, and then a couple others, um, uh, including... No, never mind. I'm not going to say. Um, Half-Life 3? Wow. <laughs> Dang. Already? That was fast. And then uh, I don't want to promise anything. It's nothing super secret. I just don't want to mm. promise anything. And then like I collapse from exhaustion and the review doesn't go up. Um, 
I just wanted to shout out um, to a friend of the show, my dad, who um, saw me uh, busting my ass to review Cyberpunk and uh, did a bunch of research and got me a gaming chair for Christmas. Yes. Legend. Legend. Also, the and fact that you introduced your dad as friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he's, he's been on he's the podcast. He's been on it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just friend of the show. Friend of can, the we make him, can we make him the official dad of GameSpot After Dark? Oh, he so is. Um, It was just really sweet because um, he wasn't intending on giving it to me before Christmas, but the package showed up and it said gaming chair really big on the box. And he was like, well, uh, (laughs) and um, he was just really worried about like my back seeing me because I was playing cyberpunk at a computer at the kitchen table on a dining chair no. and my dad was like what the oh, fuck no. looking at me and he even like he he told me like he was like yeah i figured you know i saw some pink ones i figured i didn't want to insult you by getting a pink one and like he didn't want to think me to think that i i don't know and then he was like yeah and i know you wear headphones and they have ones that have integrated sound but i don't think you need that either so <gasps> He, um, see, he really did his he research. He did a ton of research and it's super comfortable and my back is going to thank me. And um, he even built it for me. <laughs> um, so now I'm doing my work at a sick gaming chair. Um, oh. This is this is one of many good gaming gifts my dad has gotten me in the past. He also bought me my uh, pro controller uh, or my elite controller Hell for yeah. Xbox. So. Hero. He's just, he's got a good, like, yeah, he really is a hero. And yeah. he doesn't listen to the podcast. He's just a friend of the show. So I can say that I did get him a Series X for Christmas. I so. cannot wait to hear about his reaction I to that. can't wait to tell you all about how he <laughs> reacts to that. I think I'm going to do that thing parents do where they pre-install things. Um, yes. Before on shows. So he doesn't get stuck with all the downloads and updates and shit. But, but isn't your dad, like, your dad is gamer enough that that might be part of the experience for him, right? Oh, he he gets pretty frustrated by okay. uh, Call of Duty's install sizes. He's been playing Metro though, so he's on a he's on a, a Metro kick now. So oh, maybe I'll nice. give him Exodus as a little bonus. But we'll oh. see. that's lovely. You that's should so you should, awesome. should film the reaction. <laughs> oh my god! Like like, yeah, like it's an avocado. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Tamor, how about you? Uh, I am done for the year, lads. Um, Woo! Uh, I. I'm on Twitter at Tomo H. Uh, I'm sure I've written and done stuff on the website. You can just find it there. I think I wrote the I wrote the Demon Souls thing, the nominee thing, uh, article. I did the Final Fantasy VII one. I did the video testimonial for Final Fantasy VII. Um, Gen X Lucy's talked about. That's pretty much it. Big write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Yeah. Behave here. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at H. I'll probably still be dumping my stupid thoughts onto Twitter until um, yeah. next year as well, even though I won't be uh, on GameSpot stuff for a while. What a way to phrase that. Yeah. Dumping. What about you, Jake? Uh, you can find me at Jacob Deck in my... Well, I'm working on Cyberpunk Guides still, but also I'm planning out the rest of the podcasts for the year because we've got two weeks that we need to fill that we won't be here. So I think next week we're going to do a game of the year discussion uh, about the game that we chose for game of the year, which I think I can actually say now, but I'm not going to just in case. And then Sekiro, the week, Shadows Die Twice. Yeah, <laughs> Shadows win we're just, game we're of the year twice. It again. 
and then the week after, we're gonna do a fun little after dark awards uh, thing. I gotta figure out some topics, and the Discord is helping us come up with topics. So if you've got any ideas for categories for our after dark awards, join our Discord. Let me know, or just tweet them at me, and we'll try to figure something out. But anyway, that's it. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.